Hello and welcome to Turtle Tracks Podcast. This is your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with Peter Hastings, who's a prolific writer and producer from things like Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain. Uh, but today we're here to talk to him about the 2012 Ninja Turtles cartoon, uh, which he was an executive producer on. Thanks so much for being here, Peter. I appreciate it. All right. Happy to be here. Uh, so uh, you served as executive producer on that show. Can you explain um, a little bit of what your role was in that capacity? Yeah, executive producer can be a sort of a confusing term, but I think for the people who are actually making a TV show, they tend to be the creative bosses of the show. You could be an executive producer because you put up a bunch of money or you found the property, but you don't even work on it. But but generally, when someone is an executive producer or EP or a showrunner, they do what we think of what a director does. You see the property through from story all the way through the final mix. Now, when you when did you come on the project? Uh, like before Zero, after Zero, what was your? Um, I came on. I mean, I had sort of an interesting role in this in this uh, property. So they were already deep into the season one. Okay. And and then the two head writers, um, I think, were leaving. There was a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of conflict. Nickelodeon was very hands-on because they had just spent a bunch of money on the property, which, by the way, they've made back uh, quite handily. Sure. Um, you know, so they were very concerned with it. So it's not like they spent $50,000 or $20,000 to have somebody bring in their cartoon show. It's they spent millions of dollars, you know, I think it was 60 some millions of dollars to acquire the property. So they're very concerned about its uh, success. And so I came on in the, um, in the first season, the writers, the head writers were leaving. There was a writing staff. Sarah was on the show and uh, um, that's when I came in. So my, you know, what they asked me to do was basically, can you, I mean, to be honest, it's like, can you make this show run a little more smoothly? Because mm -hmm. it's really tough. And, and they said, it's like, whatever you need to do, if you need to fire everybody, you need to do that. And then what happened is that I came in and I hung out with Ciro and Ciro is like this very smart guy. He's super talented. He really, really wants to make that show, you know, and, and in a way that sometimes his passion would drive people crazy. Right. Sure. And, um, you know, but what I did is that I just recognized and I go like, I'm, I'm not making this show. That dude's making this show. This is his show. And so then my goal became, how can I make sure that this works for Ciro? Um, how can I, how can I make it so he can do this show? Cause he, he's the guy. Um, and, uh, so that turned into my sort of main job. And, um, I, uh, you know, so one of the first things I did was I fired the entire writing staff <laughs> in one meeting, which wasn't very popular with them, of course. Um, and, um, and then I met a bunch of people and then, and then hired Brandon Almond to come in and be the story editor, who was a, somebody that Ciro had recommended. And then I just liked his stuff. And again, Brandon was another person who just had the passion and the desire and the work ethic to like really get stuff done. And, um, you know, that ended up being the team pretty much. We didn't even bring on, we didn't bring on staff writers. Um, 
Brandon just worked like crazy um, doing freelance and do, writing scripts himself and, uh, you know, getting that done. But again, my goal was like to make it work, you know, to like almost logistically more than creatively to kind of make that work. Okay. So the like things were tumultuous there and you kind of helped write the ship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, and it was just, it was just so clear to me. It's like, this is, this is Ciro's gig, man. This yeah. is, you know, and he's just, he's so, um, you know, he's, he's passionate and he's like sophisticated and he's just this incredible design work, you know? And yeah, there were times that, um, you know, his passion was, uh, a little tough for people, <laughs> you know, but I just couldn't, I couldn't hold any of that against him because it was all coming from the right place about making a great show. He was very dedicated. I've interviewed him on the show and like, it, it was, it, it, it's clear that that show had his sort of singular stamp on it. How common is that in, in like franchises like that for a, essentially a creator to be able to kind of put their own brand on it to that degree? Not that common. Really. And I I think because especially if you have an established franchise, it's like you're being invited in as an experienced person. I mean, I've done a lot of work like this um, as somebody who knows how to do it, who is talented and good at what they do to make the show that people would kind of expect, you know, Um, and, uh, you know, but Turtles has that thing kind of like Spider-Man or Batman where it's like, let's do another take, you know, and there's been a bunch since then you know the different features the different series and while you know for a a a generation the 80s um cartoon is kind of you know the one because it's imprinted in their brain um you know it does it's this property that's very flexible and and is able to do it because they're great characters and they're really fun so they're um you know sear was able to bring in his design sense the show was pretty dark uh i mean we did a lot of stuff that i was like you know, they, you know, it's like, cool. I'm glad we're getting away with this, you know, and then you have this other wonderful thing that the crank, the, the guys who are, you know, the, the bad guys who look like humans are actually robots. So yes, you can stab them in the eye and yes, you can slice them in half, you know, and yes, you can fight with that, fight them with a little more full contact, um, that you couldn't normally do. So I think there was a tone that tone he brought in his design sense and, uh, you know, he's, I don't know, you know, he's a filmmaker. So he was very interested in just making it as good as he can. He used to spend a ton of time, um, in, for example, at, uh, Technicolor doing the color correction, doing the grading of the show. And he would do a lot of work on it. And that's pretty unusual, you know, in a cartoon, um, you know, where you're affecting the lighting and, uh, you know, kind of in post. Anyway, it was just part of that whole package. I know a lot. I think a lot of fans were like early on, like, uh oh, Nickelodeon owns Turtles now and like it's going to be super soft. I kind of like fun, silly turtles, but I know some super fans don't. Um, and then that show came and was like more sophisticated and harder edged. And they did things in that show that no other turtle show had done. Uh, like, how, how much were they like, how much convincing did that take? on Nickelodeon's part? Like, was Nickelodeon resistant to have some of the darker edges the show had? Yeah, I mean, you know, you tend to hear things like, is it really going to be this dark? And, you know, I mean, either in story tone or, you know, visually. 
Yeah. And it's like, shouldn't it be brighter? Shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be sunnier uh, kind of thing? And it's just one of these things. It's like, no, I don't want it to be that way. But it's that sort of thing. It's like, if I want to land on a nine, I got to shoot for 15 because mm-hmm. I'm going to get pushed back. I'm going to, there's going to be budget issues, going to be whatever it is. So it's like, I need to shoot for 15 and I'll end up at nine, you know, gotcha. uh, kind of thing. But, um, you know, ultimately the thing about the, the engine that runs, turtles in in the business sense is toy sales and you know it was the same the same uh uh playmates that's had that turtles contract forever to do their toys and they had the first run when, when you know when turtles was gigantic so they were super excited um and and successful and so once that takes off once a cp consumer products as it's called um is successful then a studio doesn't care they're like bring it what show is this sure it's like i don't care you can say like i got a show about a brick and a pencil eraser and they're like that sounds stupid (laughs) they go like we just sold an incredible amount of bricks and they go like we love this show (laughs) and it really was that there was a point you know where they where where the toy company had actually said well here's the arc of toy sales this is where it starts to burn out Hmm. And it was like season, like the end of season three or something like that. It's going to burn out. And so the plan was to just do like a half season. But then the toy sales did not drop off. And so they kept going and did, I don't know, there are five. I think there's five total. Five seasons, yeah. Yeah. Slight reformatting for the fifth. But Yeah, but it was like, it's because the toy sales kept going. So it's like, let's do, let's do, uh, let's do more. What was your, uh, like... Uh, like what was your awareness of, or like what was your familiarity with turtles prior to coming on the show? Um, it wasn't really, it wasn't really deep. I think I come in more as sort of a, you know, a filmmaker and a producer right? to a lot of things. And then it's really about, you know, getting, getting the tone. So that's my main thing is just like, when I come into a show, it's like really either creating the tone or understanding the tone. And then you can, uh, you know, you can do it really, really fast. So my, you know, I think I had watched the 80s thing. I was probably a little old for it at the time. Um, so it's probably more aware of it as the cultural phenomenon of the turtles rather than sure. the canon of turtles and yeah. stuff. And I read, I read all the comics, you know, the original comics. Oh, okay. Um, which are cool and dark, you know, yeah. there's, Yeah. But it's my favorite. I mean, Turtles has this thing, you know, and I've done a bunch of work with Kung Fu Panda stuff. It's like in both of these properties, you have one of my favorite combos, which is lovable losers who can kick ass. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just fun because they're funny, they're relatable, they're goofy. And um, um, they, um, and then you get to do all this cool action. You know, you get to do a lot of fun stuff. I mean, I, I, you know, I was one of those kids who grew up with the 80s show and love that. And probably that's like my favorite quote unquote, because it's the most nostalgic for me. But objectively speaking, the 2012 show is, I think, the best turtle show they've ever done. Like, it's super in depth, but also really fun. Like, there like there are certain episodes of that show where it's like really hilarious storylines. And Michelangelo, Greg Sipes' Michelangelo was just killer funny. Like. Yeah. That that show like was so well thought out, and like I'm curious what it was for you, like when you saw like okay, this is Ciro's show. What was it that attracted you to? Like, what did you latch on to and think, okay, this show's gonna, it's got to be about what he wants. Like, how, what what attracted you to it? Well, I think um, 
his design uh, to begin with, uh, you know, just does such great design work. You know, Sears, I, I think it's all in, in that sort of art of book that they did, but great you know, his, character, his character pages were so great, you know, when he's like, here's how I'm thinking about the character and all the little in- incidental drawings and expression sheets and stuff that he would do. Um, and then I think it's just kind of coming from a filmmaking thing uh, that's that's always attractive. It's like we're going for cool lighting and we're going for camera mu- stuff as much as we can do and, you know, and all that. And that's, that's kind of uh, appealing to me. And then I always, you know, I always like doing fun action. I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing is like, if you work in the animation, you get to do a lot of stuff that, you know, let's say for me as a writer, um, you know, I wouldn't be doing on almost any TV show. You know, mm. it's, it's much more cinematic. It's much more of a movie kind of experience in terms of writing and building and uh, stuff like that. Uh, once the things got rolling along, what what did your role change at all over time once things kind of got figured out? Yeah, it just sort of got lighter, really. It was <laughs> like, you know, by the time, because I left I, like a fourth season, I think. Okay. But it was really, and it was really like, Thank you, Peter. We appreciate uh, everything you did to get, you know, to get this thing going, you know, which all I did was sort of create some barriers and open some doors, you know. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a bit of a safety. So it was really, you know, but it's 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 absolutely Ciro's show for sure. The whole team was amazing. And it's a very unique, the whole crew was a very unique, it was a very unique uh, group of people. You know, it was sort of had this whole pirate mentality of like being, we're renegades on the outside, cranking this thing out. And it was a tremendous amount of work. And these, you know, those guys would come back late and come back to the studio late and work on stuff and goof around. And, and that's pretty unusual on a show. There was definitely a kind of a, uh, maybe a little us against them in there, you know, but it was a good, a good spirit. Did you have any hand in casting or was that already set up by the time you came in? Um, I can't remember. I think, I think it may have been set and the cast is great. It was super fun. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, at that time, which we haven't been doing since COVID, you know, we would always have the cast all together. Oh, um, that's cool. In the room. So, you know, uh, Sipes, Sean, Jason, and Rob, right? Yeah. So, of course, I worked with Rob for a million years because he's Pinky and Pinky in the Brain and yeah. do that and has done three different Turtles shows <laughs> in some form. Um, so the, the cast was super fun and those sessions were always really, they were always really great too. What were the dynamics like between the four of them? Like, was the dynamics like, yeah, just goofing like a bunch of dudes goofing off. And I mean, this is like the, you know, you do the lines and then everybody just starts talking in between all of that sort of stuff and, and making jokes and telling stories and. You know, I've always felt like these, you know, these cartoon, when you have the whole cast in, that if you recorded the whole thing and then took out the show part and just left all the chatter in, it would be like a really great podcast, you know. And, oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, definitely a hard R rating on that. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, those are always fun. All the, all those things, all the, you know, all these different shows and getting all these other people in. You know, these people like Kevin Michael Richardson and John DiMaggio and stuff who are insanely funny, goofy uh, people. And I don't, 
Oh, well, uh, Kevin, Kevin plays Shredder. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they were all, they're all super good. Josh Peck also super fun. And then, you know, Ciro is like for Ciro, there was also, you know, Ciro's a huge horror movie fan and so is Brandon. And it would be like, let's get these people in, you know, let's get, and I'm forgetting his name, but the guy from Reanimator, and let's get the, all the, you know, all of these guys into yeah, like Robert England was in there. There's a whole bunch of people yeah, like Robert like, England and and uh, Danny Trejo, yeah, and uh, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. So I've worked with I've worked with Paul on almost every show. So uh, I got him to come in, and he's the <laughs> that's the solo larping. Yes, the guy who was doing solo larping and oh, the owl, larping. yeah. Yeah. Mikey just deems this is that's like the saddest thing I've ever heard. Solo LARPing. <laughs> um, um, yeah, bringing all those guys in. I do have a picture of us uh, with Danny Trejo and Paul Rubens. And I was like, this proves that Danny Trejo, uh, that, that Pee Wee and Machete are not the same person. They had some cool get. I liked. I always, as a fan, appreciated when they brought in people from Turtle History. To oh yeah. Come back. Like I, I, I think my favorite episode of that show. I don't. I think you were still on board for this point. Was uh, the Mondo Gecko episode? Yeah. When they brought in Robbie Rist as Mondo Gecko, and it was mm-hmm. just like this wacky, funny, weird episode. And like when they, I heard his voice, I was like, "Oh my god, it's Robbie Rist!" I just freaked out. So like yeah. I, that show did a lot of like paying off to the history of the show, not just through Rob Paulson, but through a handful of the guest stars. Well, and also there's a couple of times when when we've act literally flipped to eighties, the eighties characters and yeah. had the cast come in, you know, and play themselves from the eighties. Uh, Were you around for that for that session? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was super fun. It was always fun. You know, there's a big turtles poster in the studio, and it's just like everybody signs it. And uh, oh, that's cool. Uh, it was super cool. That was a lot of fun. We had John Heater, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, come in. Yes, playing Napoleon Bonifrog. Yeah. 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 Um, Some inspired casting there for sure. Yeah, that's it. You know, and it's, it's, uh, I mean, the good thing is, is some of it is sort of like, oh my God, we could get Robert England in here. And, and, you know, does that transfer out into the marketplace? Probably not, but it's super fun and they did a great job. You know? Oh, yeah. It's just like one of these kind of fun things you get to do. Are there any episodes that stand out to you as being particularly good or fun or anything like that? <sighs> no, I'm, I think there's everyone has uh, a great. Oh, my God. The, the, the one the one with the like mushrooms, the underground. Yeah, that was gigantic a gigantic mushroom. And it's the whole thing is just so trippy. And uh and then the one where they go through the portal that's like a porta potty and that's um everything's kind of upside down. I can't remember the names, it just turns into a wish into my head. Um but but there are a lot of great things and there was just some there were also some really, really talented storyboard artists. Um oh yeah. You know, and uh, like a good storyboard artist. It's like I'm not just going to draw your script, and then the other, the other sort of extreme is somebody who's like, "Well, I threw your script away, and here's my take on it." But the really good ones are like, "Here's me performing the material, mm. right? Like a great actor." And it's like, "I'm going to add stuff. I'm going to bring life to what you were thinking of. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to add stuff, but it's all going to be in line with what you're already thinking." And um, um, we had some some really talented people doing that. 
That was, show's ability to genre jump was impressive. Like Turtles has always been about that. Like if you go back to the even their early Mirage comics, like it was you know gritty street violence stuff, and then like they by issue three they're like in space, and then they're time traveling, and then there's other mystical stuff. Like I think this show pulled it off really well, while also adding like more horror elements than we'd seen before. Like y- y- you could go from like the Pizza Face episode is another one that's one of my favorites. If not mm-hmm. my very favorite, because it's both dark horror, but also really goofy, cartoony shit. So, yeah. like, the ability for it to kind of bounce around like that seamlessly, I thought was impressive. Um, it, yeah, well, you know, I mean, part of it is just, it's just inherent in the title of the property. It's just yeah. sort of like, there's just this kind of blow-off freedom to it, you know? I mean, like, like there's this whole sort of subversive goof to the whole thing. You know, the title is even like, we're goofing on uh, 95 different genres, you know, just with this title, right? So it does open the, the sort of creative door to kind of what, you know, things that can happen. Here's an example of, uh, you know, this is this is sort of my effect on the show, I think. There's, um, who is the, is it, guy, it's not Muckman, but the, the guy who ends up in a jar of... Music man. Mutagen Man, right? So it was Pulverizer before that. Right, Pulverizer. So there was a whole thing. This already existed before I came on. That's first season. So he goes, Pulverizer ends up in this thing and he's gonna get he's gonna get slimed basically, right? And then there there apparently have been this argument going on between the studio and Ciro about if the guy should get mutated, right? And they'd been going on forever and it was never solved. And then the first time I watched the animatic, I was with Ciro and the execs. And I'm like, shouldn't that dude get mutated? Shouldn't he end up in the thing? He should get totally <laughs> obliterated, right? And it was like, then they were like, yeah, yeah. And it was like this very stupid thing about like, great, now that Peter says it, it's okay, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, 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 and I didn't have to do that. And it didn't have really happen anymore after that. But it was sort of like, oh, okay, all right. I think, you know, probably, probably for Sierra, it was like, okay, he's not terrible, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, but over time, it was really like, how can I get out of the way, you know? When sure. we were going, we would go and cut picture and stuff like that. And I'm like, Sierra doesn't want to hear what I have to say. He's in it. He's doing this. He's sitting up close and he's changing all, you know, frame, frame, frame getting in there and changing picture and stuff like that. So I just that tried particular to- story element was so like hilariously sad that this character went from like just a nice dopey fanboy, Yeah. Horrific sludge mutant thing who lives in a jar in Donatello's lab. And his hey. story never gets better. He never hey, gets that- bored or anything. He's just this pathetic creature. Well, we just we just want to you know let kids know uh, the real life stories. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Him and maybe uh, Baxter had a pretty like this is just a if you just look at it objectively, it's just a tragic story <laughs> of somebody just whose life is ruined by via the turtles and their adventures. <laughs> yeah, Phil Lamar playing Baxter Stockman. Um, oh, great, yeah, yes. Who is known? Who's also known as the guy who gets shot in the back of the car in Pulp Fiction, in the beginning of Pulp Fiction, with with uh, Sam Jackson and John Travolta. I mean, yeah, he's had a ton of. He's great the guy. Work. He's the guy they shoot by accident. Phil. Um. Uh. Yeah. 
Are there any other stories that you have a particular memory of? If not, that's fine. This is great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, not really. I just, uh, you know, again, I was there. I, I, I was like major assist, you know, and, and that was kind of my, kind of my main job. And uh, I think that paid off and worked out great. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, people yeah. were like, Oh, when it got, when it got can't not can, uh, and ended canceled, however, what else? Like people were upset about it. And I certainly was too. Cause I was, I really love this version of the turtles, but you know, it got a hundred five seasons, 120 something episodes. It's hard not to be grateful for that. Cause most shows don't get yeah. three, you know, three is like, like back right. in the animated series is three pinky in the brain. How many seasons that get three? I don't know. It was split up, but it was uh, 65 episodes. Yeah, like the, the fact that this show got so much life to it is pretty yeah. impressive. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I always, I was like, man, we should be doing a movie. It would be so nice to do a movie and and to be able to. One of the things that happens when you have a movie budget is that you just get to do these, you get to fix things and you get this level of polish, mm. um, you know, the CG. So for me, I, it's like I can look at that show now and I'm like, that looks like early 2000s or whenever it was, um, 2012, um, CG and it's changed since then and what you're capable of doing in, in, uh, TV. But I, you know, I, I wish that we'd been able to do, um, a feature cause I think it'd have been great. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, it's one of those things too, where like, I would have loved and Sierra mentioned this as well. Like, you know, that the kind of, um, DC has this thing where they put out, you know, three, four little animated movies a year. You know, I, I understand you couldn't churn out another 26 episodes every season, but doing a, an animated movie or two in that universe, a year would, I think, still fly because there's so much storytelling potential in there. Yeah. I mean, but the fun thing would be to do, uh, you know, a $50 million movie where it's, you oh, know, yeah. it's going to take you longer and just bring it, you know. I mean, I think because one of the fun things, like with the new, with the Super Mario movie, you know, one of the things I think that's so appealing to people is it's like, wow, it's like a really good render of the game. You know, yeah. it's, it's not a reinvention, you know, it's like, it just looks great and it's so rich and it's so full of stuff, you know? And it's what and you want. It's all you want, right? Like yeah. I, I haven't seen that yet, but I, from what I understand, it's very much like, like people don't want more from this. They just want to go to the movies and enjoy themselves. And like, like I think the turtles can lend themselves to that. And this new movie looks good for that reason. I think so. Yeah. Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm all set here. Thank you so much. It was great okay. to learn a little bit about that part of Turtles history. Can I ask you your favorite turtle? That's what I ask everybody. And why? Uh, Mikey. Yeah. Because he's a goofball. Because yeah. I'm, I'm an obnoxious goofball. So Cool. <laughs> yeah. They all have their specialties, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey in that show is particularly good. Like, I'm a Donatello guy. I've been since I was a kid. But if I grew up with the 2012 show, Michelangelo might be my favorite because he's yeah. so good in that show. So. One of the fun things I, is actually I was just going through my phone and I saw this video I have of uh, Sean Astin. Sean's the way that Sean got into character was by saying less talking and stop talking and start fighting. So that was what he would always go like. He, it's like he had a line to do, which is like, when are you guys going to be back? And he would go, he would go, uh, stop talking and start fighting. When are you guys going to be back? <laughs> With like his lead in thing to drop him into that voice all the time. It's very fun. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, Sipes is like born to play Mikey because he is Mikey. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, always fun. Thank you, Peter. This is a pleasure to talk okay. to you. 
All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Shell shock pizza kings can't stop these radical dudes. The secret of the ooze made the chosen few emerge from the shadows to make them.